It took about 150 gallons of water to water all those camels. I just (laughs) think about camel trivia brought to you by think about Jenna. Well, welcome to the Lean Together podcast. Today, Aaron is out. He's actually in Greece and Kevin is on deck for this Sunday. So we have Kevin in the room. Hello. Hey. Um, Exciting to be here again. How are you feeling about the uh, your first message for Ed Allman? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all the feelings. Uh, yes. All the feelings. <laughs> so as I, I've learned myself over the time, the first one in front of a crowd is always the one that I'm most anxious for. And after I get you to laugh, if I can get you to laugh, I'm not trying very hard, but if I do get you to laugh, I will calm down and it'll be better for everyone. I'll be a Confederate <laughs> laugher. <in> the- <laughs> cool. Cool. Sanctuary. Stop. That's so mean. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, but I, I'm excited. It won't be that. I'm excited. It's a, um, and there's just, it's a good story to um, be sharing. So, and you are talking about Rebecca, right? I am talking about Rebecca, Isaac's wife. And Rebecca's life, it's really interesting. There's four different stories that we can kind of capture. Two of them are kind of melded together, but. Um, If I were to summarize, we see that God calls her very specifically in answering to Abraham's prayer and the servant's prayer. Really cool. And Rebecca just says yes. And she just goes in faith, kind of like Abraham. It's really powerful. Um, And then we see later um, God gives her uh, twins after um, being... Uh, barren for 20 years. So that's that's another answer to prayer. Um, Isaac's prayer actually, which is really cool. So we see a lot of faithfulness on God's part for um, her family, for Abraham's family and her. Um, But she then sees an opportunity later where she is not sure that God's going to come through. We don't really know whether she fully believes or whatnot, but this is when it had to happen. So she forced um, uh, her hand on her son to steal Isaac's a blessing for Jacob. And it's pretty interesting to watch the family dynamics there. Um, and in the end, the thing that she wants does happen, but she doesn't get to be there for it. So there's consequences for forcing God's hand. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the the overarching theme of the story. And I really love the story because in it, I see lots of God's faithfulness, but I also see how even in this story, it points to Jesus that we can't take on people's consequences, but only God can truly be our savior. And that's what we have the gospel message for. But there's this beautiful line in the scripture where Rebecca says to Jacob, you do what I tell you to, you obey me and I will take the curse Hmm. upon myself. When I read that, I'm like, ah, you can't do it, but Jesus did it. So anyway, that's where we're going with the message. Well, let's jump over and see what uh, the three ladies. Man, what were your what were your initial thoughts on Rebecca? I loved revisiting this story. Just like seeing That's what God Jen does said. through family craziness. <sighs> they are messy, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I could resonate with Rebecca very easily. Mm-hmm. In what ways? Well, in ways of. I think back to anxiety here, you are having all these anxious thoughts and you want to control everything. So you do everything in your power to make it happen mm-hmm. and not really trusting in what God really has and not really believing that God will do what's best. I, I think that's completely relatable. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I just think of drama, man, <laughs> so much drama in this family. And it's interesting to like reading, reading the text as a marriage and family therapist. I was um, like, oh man, you've got enmeshment. You've got these alliances. You've got deception. You've got, you've got it all. And how many of us are in the brokenness of our families experience favoritism, right? It's another thing. Like yes, how, we yeah. experience so much of this in our own context and our culture and it just seems so current to me. Yeah. Yeah. You see the pitfalls and, and ramifications and yet how God works redemptively through that. Like that's, that's just the the main encouragement to me, like in spite of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His plan this, goes forward yeah. in spite of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You have this amazing lineage as part of his plan to redeem. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who needs Ancestry.com? Like <laughs> we've got this amazing lineage that the tagline of Genesis would be from the Joseph story, what you intended for evil, yes. God intends mm-hmm. for good. And that would be the bumper sticker on Genesis. Mm-hmm. In spite of us, in spite of our sin, in spite of our unfaithfulness, it gets credited to us as faithfulness because God is faithful. So I think you raise a, a good point about recognizing all of scripture points to Jesus, mm. but there can also, there can be fruit too in kind of reading yourself into the story. Cause I think we do identify with every figure that's not God. So looking at this story, what we see in the text, how else do you resonate with her as a woman, as a wife, as a mom? Well, I think, again, I think control um, and Kevin talks about that as well as with, you know, with our own kids, myself with older kids. Now I think about them going through school and making sure they do well, making sure they're involved in different things, making sure they're uh, involved with things that they can put on their transcripts and all that. I know there's a balance, but instead of that, that happy medium of remembering that God is in control. The favoritism is yes. really hard to watch. Yeah. And I heard somebody say we should love our kids uniquely, not equally. So I'm like, oh, that's a really good goal as a mm-hmm. parent. I wish somebody had told me that a long time ago. You, I don't even think we can love them equally, but we can right. love them each uniquely. Mm. It was really interesting revisiting this story as a mom of twins now Mm, yes Mm -hmm. why is this happening to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah i remember asking that during Mm -hmm. pregnancy it wasn't as dramatic as having two nations warring inside (laughs) you but um you know there are some really interesting dynamics too in just raising two kids in the same life stage you know they're constantly compared constantly pitted against one another and like as much as we try to do to encourage their individuality and not um, hold them, you know, their, the expectations the same for each one and respect their development, what God's doing. It's like, yeah, you, you see them just pitted against each other in this story. And it, it is incredibly painful to see. I really like that Kevin kind of starts out with how Rebecca comes to wed Isaac and you, you do get that glimpse of like her faithfulness And I was struck by that because I think about my own life and all of our lives. It's like this dance of where you have these moments of trust and then you just like go off the rails, Uh right? There's just like this complete unbelief, taking things into our own hands, forcing agendas to try and ensure maybe a certain outcome as opposed to really trusting in the faithfulness and goodness of God. Right. I found that even trying to get pregnant, Mm. it took us a while to get pregnant. Just that whole dilemma of 
am I going to let God, am I, am I going to totally give it to God and put it in his timing or am I going to seek help, medical help? Mm-hmm. And that set that, that resonated with me a lot. Yeah. I'm glad you spoke to that because I, I thought about that too, is what, 20 years before they had, mm-hmm. yeah, before they had Jacob and Esau and it's like. That was a little longer than I waited. <laughs> same here. <laughs> same here, but you know, we dealt with infertility and that does, it like heightens just the, the anxiety and the desire for control. And I feel like that was like the main thing God exposed during that season. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how much of that carried over then into Rebecca's own approach to parenting, you know, putting, putting so much hope and expectation on one child, at least. Right. She was also told that the, the promise would go through the younger. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why she was drawn to, to Jacob more mm-hmm. than he saw. What are you both hoping GCs will explore as part of their discussions in relation to this story and this woman? Uh, we see prayer. And I know Kevin talks about there might be no, yes, or, or wait. wait. Mm-hmm. They had to wait 20 years for the babies. I was thinking about, um, I was ran across the verse too, um, that we hold this treasure in jars of clay. And like, we are a mess. Jars of clay are chipped and <laughs> bad looking. That's not the most beautiful right. container. We're all there. And I think too, it's the importance of story. We're seeing their story and and we see creation fall, redemption Mm -hmm. throughout these stories over and over and over. The stories can encourage us just as our own stories can encourage others. I think that's a big thing too. Um, How this this story seemed so clear to me. Um, I don't know, maybe because it resonated with me, but I think that's a very good point, Jen. You talk about story and how all of our stories are so important to share. And when we keep our stories to ourselves, we can't see the work that God is doing. We can't see a lot of things. We can't see if we are not trusting God, if we are trusting God. Um, We can't see God's intervening into our lives. So all that transparency, I think, really is valuable in a GC. And also remembering, that's one thing I want for our GC too, is to to remember that God is good and he does good all the time, no matter how we see it. If it's, if it's in the consequence, even then trusting him in the consequence. Yeah. I know that a lot of people have a messy family history, messier than others, mm-hmm. not to compare, but that we can find our worth in a new family, the family of God, mm-hmm. and that even in the family of God, it's going to get messy, but we love each other so much that we're going to work through it, that we're going to stay, we're going to fight, and we're going to love, and we're going to forgive, and we're going to pray for one another, and we're going to get through it, even if it's hard, because it's worth it, and because it points to to God's ultimate plan for his family. The old has passed away and now we have something new. I guess I'm hoping for GCs this week, a good balance of being honest about our own dysfunction and failures. And again, it's easy to read something like this and just with how dramatic it is, think, oh, I would never, but we all do, like even in more subtle ways. And yet be encouraged by just the unfailing nature of God's plans and what he's doing to redeem. And, you know, the story obviously this week is part of the series centers on Rebecca, but you even see like Jacob and Esau eventually like reconcile and 
Mm -hmm. like what God does with Jacob transforming him into Israel and that there's there is such good news even in the midst of what seems bleak and irreparable so I think with knowing that on this side of the cross it it frees us up even more as members of gospel communities to be honest about our failings yeah I really appreciate what Judy said about anxiety and dealing with that as a mom. Kevin, how have you seen that play out both in your life and also as somebody who is caring for our youth group? How do you see that anxiety, that tension play out in in kids' lives? Just looking at working with teenagers and parents and how often in our culture we see families, not every family is this way, but oh, if my kid does this thing and that thing and that thing, then they're going to get into a good college and then have a good career. And we almost place our faith in their overscheduled, busy lives. Totally. And um, when I read and and thinking about Rebecca here, that was a big thing. I mean, for family, it's not just for moms. My success as a parent depends on their success in the future. But how much better, and this is a lesson I hope comes out from Rebecca, is if we were to show our kids that their identity is in Christ Mm -hmm. um, and not their over busy lives or how well they are in their sports team or their performing arts or whatever it might be. If we can show them that their identity should just be trusting God and God speaks a better word over their lives and that God's still going to be faithful. Maybe they won't be the president, well, let's see how many precedents are there, <laughs> <laughs> but God still has them and they can move forward in confidence that they're going to have a good life because they are in his control and his family and that he's going to carry them forward. Yeah. Instead of that control and anxiety piece, mm-hmm. trusting, modeling in our GCs with each other, trusting in God's timing and God's promise. You had a conversation along those lines today. You want to share about that? Yeah, I, oh man, what you shared, we've talked about this, but it completely resonates with me. Very similar in that sense mm-hmm. of, um, I think un- unintentionally, again, coming probably from a place of love, but it was just this culture and expectations that around achievement. And that was always what was heralded and celebrated, you know, and, and um, kind of lauded to others. And I think the implicit message was like, oh, you get, you get love and favor through what you do. Mm-hmm. Today, I was, I was speaking with someone actually, and they were wanting to know a little bit about my story. And I shared just about how that was really kind of the dominant narrative of my life for decades into my walk with Jesus and would probably argue tooth and nail about like the doctrine of grace, but really no experiential or functional understanding of that mm-hmm. that connected at the heart level. And it was when... I was actually confronted about the idea of repentance at this this immersive training opportunity for our redemption groups ministry. And someone challenged me, my leader challenged me and I'm like, I'm so grateful because this was like a life-changing moment. But she was like, I feel like I don't get a lot of joy from you when you talk about repentance. Why is that? And no one had ever asked me that question before. And I don't think anyone had ever really emphasize the role of joy in repentance. And I said, well, I guess it's because I'm afraid I'm, I'm just going to disappoint God again. It's hard to be joyful with this fear looming. And she really exposed just the, the cracks in that line of thinking and was like, you just get more grace. 
you just worst case scenario, you just get more grace. And that it, it continues to like undo me when I think about that. And I, I think that just counters everything in this performance mindset and realizing like, oh my gosh, we are absolutely free to be transparent about our failures because there's abundant grace offered to us over and over again and nothing can threaten that. That's so beautiful. That's so (laughs) true. And I, I, yes, we do share some of that, (laughs) that similar background. And, um, and that is a lesson that I consistently have to bring myself back to. For leaders listening, whether they're leading a large, larger group conversation or one-on-one talking to church family members, how do they help people acknowledge, see it or acknowledge it or live in that truth a little bit better this week? What do you fear most in your life? What do you fear being known by others? You know, look at this story and it's like, oh, you know, even though it seems like Jacob and Esau are just like pitted against each other irreparably, they do eventually reconcile. And you look at what God does, you know, with Israel and that should be so encouraging for us. You know, if, if we really want our practice to line up with our theology, if we believe that God is one of grace can we take a step into being known more deeply and more transparently? Can we face that fear of perception or judgment from other people and, and actually practice being known and realizing that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ? He really is for us. Where is our unbelief and how can we support each other and reminding each other of what's true? Or where do we see it in our friends and our family's lives that we can point to? That was a moment that God was good. Do you remember that? I mean, the Old Testament's all about remembering. Mm. And so maybe that's part of our role as our our friends and family with each other, Mm. just to point back to those Ebenezer's, those piles of stones of what God has done before to remember, no, he is good and he'll keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Let's just go back to that and don't, don't fear. Excellent. So that's a good way to end this. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for engaging parts of this scripture as well as teaching us in Sunday kind of format. Thank you. All right. We'll be back next week. I felt that. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the ending. Well, I was hoping the ending, like we would get to Jacob's ladder and you'd sing Stairway to Heaven for us. <laughs> Let me get my guitar. Come on. Yeah, no, no Stairway, guitar. denied. Oh. <laughs>